Hey everyone, welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. Uh, today, we got a big trade to talk about. Some news finally broke. Uh, none of this little trade stuff that we were talking about last week. Um, and then we're also going to get, <laughs> excuse me, into some trade proposals. As you can hear, I'm still a little bit under the weather. Uh, I think my voice sounds much better than last week, but uh, I might be muting the cough again a couple times. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, Chase, massive trade, eh? There's uh, some big news finally this week. Yeah, there's a banger. The uh, Vancouver Canucks have started their rebuild. Sorry, can't call it a rebuild. Their GM made it clear, or sorry, their president made it clear they're not rebuilding. They have started their retool slash teardown that's going to take longer than expected. And they have traded Captain Bo Horvat to a shocking destination, I would say. Yeah, the more and more I think about it, the more I, I like this from the Canucks side and the more I don't understand what the Islanders are doing. Yeah, so I don't think anyone could have missed it that's listening to this podcast. But if you happen to, uh, the Vancouver Canucks traded Bo Horvat to the New York Islanders of all teams. Um, they also retained 25, oh my gosh, excuse me, 25% of Bo Horvat's salary. $1.375 million. Uh, going back the other way is, is Anthony Beauvillier, who I did not know he makes $4 million. We'll get to that in a bit. Anthony Beauvillier, Atu Ratti, who is a prospect that uh, the Islanders drafted in, was it 2021 draft? Or was it 2022? 2021, I think, right? Uh, uh, 2021, yeah. Yeah, and, and I believe he was 52nd overall. He fell a little bit. Again, we'll get to him. And a 2023 first round pick, uh, it does have a condition. It is lottery protected top 12. Um, so if the, the pick is in the top 12 this year, it becomes an unprotected 2024 first round pick. Yeah, again, when this trade broke, I did not understand it from either side. A, I, I thought on original thought, I thought this was underwhelming for what Bo Horvat would return. Um, my reasoning behind that is I don't think... Bovillier is that great of a player. I think he's fine. Atu he's Ratti, I, yep, exactly. I like Ratti as a prospect, but the league doesn't seem to value him as high. Um, so it just kind of felt underwhelming there. And then a protected first round pick. However, and then on the other side of things, I mean, I don't get this from the Islander spot at all. We can get to that as well. Where, where way do you want to start with this? Should we go from a Vancouver angle or a New York angle? I think New York's the easiest, right? Yeah, I definitely think there's less to. I mean, I just I'm, I'm I I question why. I mean, I, the answer is Lou is old as dirt and probably doesn't want to rebuild. Is the reason why, right? Yeah, and I mean, it's dumb because they're not going to win a cup. But God, you can almost even argue it's smart to just try for the sake of trying because the average age on their team is like 30 years old and they're expensive and locked so in that's forever. The thing is from a pure fit on this team, I get why they make the trade. In and I like the trade in terms of if you exclude everything else in terms of assets the other way, where the team is just the on-ice fit. I think Bo Horvat's going to fit them nice and fit exactly what they need in terms of some more scoring touch. Yeah. But as you said, this trade puts them to what? The eighth best team in the East at best? And 
Like I think Dom's playoff model, it went they went from a 14% chance at playoffs to 19%. Yeah. So, and there you lose your pick for that. Yes. And it's just like and you're giving up a first rounder, which very well could be in the top 12. And the concern that I would have if I'm an Islanders fan is that that is, say, the 12th overall pick this year. This team is so old, I don't really... This feels like a prime Canada team to just fall off a cliff. Now, the good news for them is they do have Sorokin, so it'll be a lot harder for them to really, really fall versus, you know, a team that is paying Pabrowski $10 million or whatever or just doesn't have a strong goalie, right? But like this is a prime... If, if you had to choose five... I mean, there's probably just not that many. Let's say you had to choose three rosters that were in the top 18 to 20 teams of the league this year and say, which one is going to be a lottery team next year? I feel like the Islanders would be in that three for just about everyone. Yeah, they seem like a you're functionally shorting the Islanders, which I'm cool with that logic. Yeah. Um. So, and the other thing, I don't know, they can't resign him. They don't have the cap space for it. Well, no. Uh, Barlow's five is coming off this year. Mayfield's 1.45 is coming off. But if you re-sign him, I just don't understand. I'm pretty sure Wallstrom needs a new deal soon. Yeah, and you're doubling and then some his salary. If you're Wallstrom, Wallstrom needs a new deal this summer. Yeah. So... Yeah, exactly. And, and, that, and that's the thing with Bo Horvat is yeah, he's like, the best the, free agent on the market, I well, say with not a lot of certainty, but yeah, I think it's I've true. been taking a close look, but I mean he was the top. It makes sense given that he was one of the top deadline guys this year, right? So and yeah, the exactly. room, the rumor is that it's around 8.5 times seven as an extension. It's like you can't, I mean, you can pay him 8.5 million dollars, but like Geez, I don't know. Yeah, that's just... I don't... And it's got to suck for Horvat, too. I assume he wants to play a contender, because I feel like that's it's, just a decent assumption for everyone in this scenario. That's the other thing. You're getting out of Vancouver. It's like, yes, I'm going to go get a chance on legit Stanley Cup you know, run or whatever, or even just at least like a, a good playoff run, and you get traded to a team that is literally fighting their lives to get the eighth seed in the, in the East. And so, yeah, I, I do feel bad for him. I mean, again, if he gets the absolute bag, I'm not going to feel that bad for him. And he will choose where he goes after. But, yeah, like this team currently is sixth in their own division. And they are probably two points out of a playoff spot. Um, yep, yeah. They're, and Plus they're, they're one point ahead of the Panthers, which and I know one, I like in the long run. Yeah, exactly. And one point behind the Sabres, too. So you have a team to jump there, plus you have a team that uh, is definitely better than you right on your heels as well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I understand in terms of, like, if you threw every other future concern out, I would understand this trade. But the future concern is what I don't really get in terms of this is already one of the worst prospect pools in the league. They just traded their best prospect. I don't – like, Wallstrom's not a prospect anymore, neither is Dobson. Yeah. Um, so they just trade one of their few like top end prospects and a first round pick. And so this is the reason I love it so much from Vancouver's uh, aspect is let's say, I don't know, like it, it, 
there's an, a scenario here where the Islanders miss the playoffs and the pick is like 14th overall, right? Well, that's probably the worst case scenario, in my opinion, for the Vancouver. I mean, obviously, the worst By case far. scenario is they want a, a cup run. But like the most, the worst case realistic scenario is Vancouver Canucks get like the 16th overall pick in this draft. Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah. You're, you're not getting that from the Devils. You're not getting that if you traded him to the Hurricanes, the Bruins, or anyone like that. Yeah, no contender can do that. Exactly. And the upside of it comes where, let's say the Islanders miss the playoffs and the Sabres and Panthers both finish ahead of them as well. Uh, So it's like the Red Wings, Senators, Canadians, Flyers, Blue Jackets under them. Um, So that means they're sixth last in the Eastern Conference. There is a chance that 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 pick is top 12. You know, if they, I mean, they'll, they'll finish ahead of the Canucks, Sharks, Ducks, Blackhawks, Coyotes. And then probably the Blues as well. And then they'll be right in with the Predators there. So I just named six, another nine. If all that, let's say if they finish ahead of Nashville but miss the playoffs, or behind Nashville and miss the playoffs, they are the 12th overall pick, assuming, you know, nothing weird happens with the lottery. Yeah, which is perfect. That is the ideal scenario for Vancouver. And the most unideal scenario, I think, if you're an Islanders fan, because... This again, this is a prime roster that I would be comfortable enough with Vancouver saying, Yep, yeah, you can go in with an unprotected 2024 first next year. Either you're going to have to give Horvat the bag this summer to keep him, which probably means your depth is going to be even more affected, or you're going to have to lose Horvat this summer. And now you gave up an unprotected first for four months of Horvat where you didn't even make the playoffs. Just, just so like it makes absolutely no sense. No, and so again from Vancouver, you know, you say well, again, like when I first looked at the straight, I was like, "That's very underwhelming." But thinking about that, it's like, yeah, they're not going to get a better first overall or a first round pick from any other team. Yeah. You would have to get multiple first round picks to make it worth it. The Islanders one, I think. Exactly, and that's why I'm like starting to love it because of the asymmetric outcomes. Like, you take this over two Carolina first rounders because you could get like the first overall pick out of this. Mm-hmm. there's a legitimate chance where there's just not that with, you know, good teams first rounders. Yeah. Like this is going, it's not going to, it's still only, you know, maybe a 10% chance or something that this could turn into a star for you. Whereas the odds are way lower for that. If you're taking Carolina's 27th overall pick plus third, I don't know, third best prospect or whatever. Exactly. Um, and then, yeah, so we get to add you Ratty, you know, um, he's a guy who in 2021 heading into the year was supposed to be a top prospect fell people's kind of cited attitude issues as well, but fell all the way to 52. Um, every prospect model I've seen really likes him. I know yours, you were posting on Twitter. The one you've, uh, started to create here really likes him as well. Correct. Yeah. Our stuff, our stuff likes him as someone likely to become an average NHL player, which sounds kind of underwhelming, but for a second round pick from two years ago is actually about as good as you could realistically get. Yep, exactly. Like I saw, I think it was the NHL e-model compared to him, like Michael Froelich. And I think that's who it was. Yeah, um, and Froelich would be in his profile with us too, kind of thing. Yep, and like, again, that probably sounds underwhelming, but Froelich was a good second-line player for a bulk of his career. Like, if you get that, that's assuming, you know, that's what Raddy turns into in two, three years from now when you're trying to be good again. That's exactly what Bor Horvat's been for you, you know, or would be for you at much higher of a cost, likely at that point in his career. 100% plus 
Yeah, the cost thing. Because you can get that as an RFA, which you're obviously never getting again with Horvat. Exactly. Uh, and then Anthony Bovillier is in the trade as well, a lot for salary. He's got a year left after this one at $4.15 million. Uh, I think people are overrating the hell out of Bovillier. He's he's a fine player, but like he's a bottom six player who scored at a 35-point clip basically his whole career and doesn't drive play particularly well. Yeah, I don't. I mean, he's like you said, he's fine or whatever. But yeah, his results always bounce around somewhere around above or below average. So he's probably just literally a league average player. And from what I understand, he doesn't even play center. So he's a league average player at the least valuable perceived position in the league as a winger. So, yeah, I I mean, that's tough. I didn't realize how much he made either. It's not a big deal. He Again, he's up after next season anyways. I think... I think the most likely outcome is Vancouver keeps him this year slash in the next year. See if they can be the team that, you know, revitalizes him or whatever to, because when he busted in the league, he did have some good, his first two years were actually like pretty promising or sorry, his second and third year, I want to say was pretty promising analytically. Um, but then since then, the last couple of years have been pretty down and it's just been a real mixed bag. Oh, wow. Okay. Not like he's been in the league longer than I thought, to be honest. He's been here around for a really long time. So 16, 17, he had pretty bad numbers. 17, 18, he looked good offensively and bad defensively is the way his RAPM split out. 18, 19, he was kind of just average or like, yeah, just borderline average everywhere. 19, 20, he uh, was slightly positive everywhere, but again, not like a ton. Uh, 2020, 2021 was his best uh, analytical RAPM season. Uh, it's only 658 minutes, but again, pretty, uh, at least a standard deviation positive in three of the five categories. And then since then has been negative in most things. So, you know, I'm sure Vancouver looks at it as like, yeah, there was some promise there at one point. We're going to see if we can revitalize him. And then I think worst case scenario, if he just looks like a third line guy next year, I think they probably retain half his salary and flip him for a third round pick or whatever at the next year's deadline. That's what I was just about to say. The most likely outcome is he's flipped for a third or something like that, right? Or a mm -hmm. late second kind of thing next year, which, yep. I mean, I sh we shouldn't really rag on it. Like it's not the end of the it's not the greatest thing in the world, but there's a decent amount of value too. I guess you get a roster player too. Somebody's going to play. Yep. If you do that, I think that's totally fine. You know, people will say, "Well, you can look at it as a year and a half of him plus this." I you don't need to do that, but you know, when you're looking at the trade tree, it'll be pretty obvious that there's a very good potential within a year. You turn the asset of Bo Horvat into. A first that who knows how good it'll be, but it seems like it'll be at least, you know, mid-round, which is very solid in a good draft. Um, a solid prospect and maybe another yeah, third-round pick or something like that. And then, again, suddenly if you're looking at it as Bo Horvat for a first, a third, and a team's best prospect, even if it's like a B-plus level prospect, I, people probably expect that at a deadline trade, right? Yeah, like given what we said about where the Islanders are in their window, I take that. Yep, me too. Like, so... Um, yeah, I, I think this is a good first step for Vancouver. You know, we definitely highlighted, um, last week and the week before, I mean, we've talked about them a ton, right? And, but we definitely highlighted that they are a couple steps behind where they could slash should have been probably in this, um, retool that's going to take longer than expected is what I'm going to keep calling it. Um, <laughs> it's a great name for it. it. It really is. Um, but you know, I, I think give, if you give everything else um, that's happened up till now as a sunk cost, yeah. which I think you kind of have to do, right. Um, 
I think this is a good first step. I, I do actually enjoy this trade from Vancouver's perspective. I, I didn't love it at first, but I, the more I think about it, the, the more I do like it. Yeah, I'm with you on that. It's like talking myself into it more and more. Yeah, exactly. So um, it'll be interesting what they yeah. do from here. Um, I just saw a report that apparently there's talk they might. <laughs> yeah, I should have got water. Um, there's talk they might uh, buy out Connor Garland this summer for cap space, which uh, there's no way you can't trade Connor Garland, right? Give me Connor Garland. Like, like I don't even I haven't even looked at him this year, but coming into the year is fantastic. They just gave up the ninth overall pick from him, and that that was yeah. Dylan Gunther, and people didn't even blink. Yeah, and Dylan Gunther's really good for ninth overall pick, yeah, and like, like everything about the Garland experience. I mean, he's got a low on his shooting percentage this year. Screams just like if he is not working, which he was good last year in Vancouver. Um, it's probably like a scheme fit thing more than anything because we've seen him be good in the past, and I'd be willing to bet on him being good on my team. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I can't imagine like, and even the, yeah, this year. So I just pulled up his RP, RAPM quickly. Um, his biggest negative is goals four per sixty. That yeah, which is bad luck. No, well, I mean, it, there's obviously some skill towards it as well. We you, people can have good goals four per sixty, or bad goals four per sixty. But like to me, that's more bad luck than anything else. Given that that's not really a habit of his. It seems like the perfect buy low can, especially because it was the opposite last year. His uh, goals were better than his expected goals. Probably, mm-hmm. it's probably just an average-ish finisher. I don't yeah, expect I him mean, to be Patrick Kane levels of crushing that, but he doesn't need to be. He's a good play driver. Yeah, his whole career, he's been within one standard deviation, basically either way of yeah. his goals four per sixty, which that's fine. Yeah, considering yeah. he does all the other stuff really well. Yeah, for a good play driver, you don't need him to be awesome at all the other stuff, especially a four million dollar player, five million dollar player. Yeah, exactly. Um, All-Star Games coming up this week. We don't really talk about that too much. Was there any big um, surprises to you? So that, that was, the, I guess that's the only other thing to wrap up the Bo Horvat trade. Uh, Horvat is the Vancouver nominee for the All-Star Game, which is kind of funny. Um, apparently the league is still deciding what to do. I say just let him play for the Pacific Division. Who cares? Yeah, I, I think that's happened before too, right? It might have, and even if it hasn't, like it's not like he got traded a month and a half before, two months before the All Star Game or whatever, and somehow he was still named the Pacific team. He he's gonna play like one game with the Islanders, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Who cares? Um, I'm just seeing what the Islanders just tweeted. What uh, number Horvat's gonna wear as well? Only 14. 14. Uh, and then according to Gordon Miller, among the many lose rules from Lou Lamorello, while this one has some wiggle room, he doesn't like numbers higher than 40. Two exceptions, Casey Sezikis, 53, predates Lamorello with the Islanders, and Pajot, 44, was allowed to keep his number from Ottawa. Some of the other Lou rules, no facial hair except the playoffs, no long hair past the collar, no jewelry, so necklace or earrings, Jackets slash ties must be worn to games and on the team bus slash plane. Uh, and then no broadcaster slash media permitted on the team charter, including team broadcasters. So weird. Yeah. I mean, and you can't even say it works or anything. Like, like some of those rules are just so stupid, but whatever. I'm not going to get into it. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, with the All-Star game, I, I say just let Horvath uh, go. I, again, I, I hope that this is a catalyst for not needing a representative from every shitty team. I don't need to see an Arizona Coyotes player represented in the All-Star game. And I guarantee 95% of their fans don't. 99% of their fans don't either. Yeah, I don't. Literally anyone has tuned into an All-Star game because they their team has a – like when the Leafs sent Leo Kamar off, no Leafs fan was like, oh, yeah, I'm watching this because Leo's there. Exactly. And so the other thing, too, um, Matty Beniers is out of the All-Star game. They put Chandler Stevenson in to replace him. So I'm pretty sure the um, Kraken don't have a representative now. Yeah, yeah, I remember. <laughs> that is true. I'll go even back on what I just said. If there's one team you probably want to rep from, it's the brand new team you just brought in your league. But, I mean, whatever. Yeah. Like, Yeah, it's just stupid. I Yeah, I so I err on the side of just... Um, I really do hope that something like this kind of, um, yeah, spurs the idea that, hey, maybe we don't actually need um, one one player from each team, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, I don't really, I don't know. I don't watch the All-Star game a ton. I usually watch part of the skills competition and then, highly, you know, if the All-Star game's on in the background, it'll be on the background, but I'm, not, I'm definitely not going out of my way to turn it on, that's for sure. Yeah, it's the perfect watch if you have nothing else going on anyways kind of thing. Exactly. So, um all right. Uh, I don't know if there's any other news. I don't think so. I've come up with a couple trade proposals that I'm mm-hmm. going to pitch to you. I don't know if you have any, but I definitely did some last night. I don't, but let's hear them. All right. So I went on cap friendly, and most of these actually fit in terms of like every cap space and everything like that. Um, so I made three trade proposals. Uh, I'm going to pitch them to you. I want your honest feedback and nitpick any minor detail you want i don't care um and i want to just, I mean, just go, kind of go back and forth on on you know whether both teams would do this what teams would be thinking um you know if, if this is even i'm these aren't I'm super realistic but they're realistic enough in terms of like i think a lot of these players will get traded i don't know if the destination or the return is area but basically what i did i sat down i took three of the free agent uh top free agents on or top trade board uh nominees and decided where I wanted to put them. So the first one, let's stick with the Vancouver Canucks. They are going to continue this rebuild by trading Brock Besser. Um, He has nine goals, 21 assists in 41 games played so far, uh, a $6.65 million cap hit for two more years after this one. And he is going to get sent to the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, Like that, the, uh, the king of course, he gets a guy who can score, but not drive play. Exactly. Um, the Hurricanes obviously need someone to replace Max Pacioretty after he went down and is likely out for all of this year and probably into next, um, unfortunately, uh, you know, just with the, the injury. And he's off the books after this year anyways. Um, going back the other way is a – let me – and I just lost where I had it. Uh, a second-round pick, which is Carolina's. A fifth-round pick, which is actually Vancouver's. I'm not sure how they got it. Uh, maybe – Ethan Bear trade, I'm going to assume. Does that sound right? That would um, make sense. Oops. Yeah, yeah, fifth, yeah, it was. Yep. So fifth round pick that uh, Vancouver had sent for Ethan Bear. They're going to get their own fifth back, uh, both 2023. Uh, prospect Noel Gunler and Ryan Suzuki. And then to make the salaries book uh, work, I'm sending Annie Ranta and Jesper Fast back the other way as well. Um, Ranta is going the other way, but he hasn't been very good at all this year. I think he's got an 897 save percentage, and they've got Dev in the minors. 
Um, so they can run Anderson and Kotchkov. Uh, fast as a depth player on the right side, which with Besser coming in makes it a little redundant. Um, I wasn't sure if I should give a first in this. So instead I went a second and two prospects. Noel Gundler is like their fourth or fifth rated prospect from what I saw. Uh, or maybe, maybe it was third. And then Ryan Suzuki uh, is more name value than anything else. He's like their 10th rated prospect from a couple of the sites that I was looking at. So I would say probably a B plus tier prospect, B tier prospect, maybe in Gundler and lower than that Suzuki. And then a second is the the main piece going back. Um, Again, this helps Vancouver. And then I think the other reason, if anyone's asking, how does uh, Carolina keep Brock Besser $6.65 million cap it? Jordan stalls $6 million off the books this year. So they are getting space. I like this as a fit, especially like Besser does exactly what the hurricanes always fail to do. It mm-hmm. seems like the perfect fit for them. I don't know what he would cost. It's funny how much his value has kind of fallen, that the fact that a second and some prospects is probably more realistic than a first. Yeah, if you want to, and like if someone's really mad, they want to throw the first in there, I that's fine. And then I'm not, Yeah, you know, I, I thought, you know, when I was first doing this, I thought for sure it was going to be a first. The reason I didn't just do a first is because I think that's a, that's a very easy deadline guess to do too, where it's just like, oh, who's this player? We'll do first in a prospect. Yeah, get um, a little creative with it instead. Exactly. But yeah, and every report I've heard is like, like there was a report earlier this year when Besser was really struggling that like the Canucks may have to eat salary to move him. And it's just like, what are we doing here? Well, so that so was he, why I was saying the second round pick thing. If people were talking about how they might have to eat salary, then like the league can't value them highly. Exactly, right? So, and like I get some of that's a lack of cap space, but yeah, I think if if you're a team like Carolina who can make it make do with it, you give up a lesser pick and just take the full contract on, which in very good likelihood will be worth $6.6 million anyways. Yeah, and it's Carolina getting to capitalize on their amazing cap sheet. Yep, exactly. So, um, and and then the other way, you know, if you really need to make it fit for Carolina, I think they'd probably try and wiggle their way out of that Cogniemi contract somehow, but that might be a little harder than uh, than planned. Cogniemi is only 22 as well, but still, that's a long contract at $4.8 million for a guy who doesn't look very good. Carolina's got a lot of money coming off this year. No Gardner, no Kasha, no Pacioretty, no Stahl. They should be yep. fine there. Yep, exactly. So, um, obviously, and then the other nice thing about this deal, too, is um, it has one year left when Aho is a UFA. So, if you really needed to make space when for Aho's money, Brock Besser with one year left is something you could probably very easily trade down the line, down the you line can, too. Yeah, you can flip it when it inevitably goes well kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I think the fit makes the perfect, the most sense. I really struggle in terms of, yeah, what, what the return would look like. So I kind of went more bulk. I, I tried to avoid, you know, obviously the biggest meme is always, you know, here's four pieces we don't want and a depth pick for your good player. Um, that is kind of this, but also I I leaned into that in terms of um, – because I just don't know what Besser's value is. But again, like if you really feel strongly that they need more than this, bump that second up to a first round pick and it probably looks a lot more aggressive. And I threw the fifth in to eat Ranta's salary or fast salary this year, whoever you choose. Yeah. Yeah, I like this. Um, so that was my first trade. I think that one, probably the most unrealistic, I would say. Um, 
The second one, I, th- this one to me is the most realistic. Uh, and this is a very classic deadline trade. I have Timo Meyer going to the New Jersey Devils for a 2023 first round pick. Alexander Holtz and Nolan Foote. Bad trade. He's not going to the Leafs. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I should mention uh, Timo Meyer is at 50% retained as well um, to get him under where the Devils need him to be. And this is definitely his most likely spot, right? I have to assume so. I think this kind of trade would come with an immediate like eight by eight extension as well, um, which the Devils can definitely do. They probably have to work their future cap a little bit, but for now, I think they would be fine. Um, if you want to throw in the only other thing I thought maybe is if you want to throw in like a third or a fourth for the, the cap retention, go for it. I, that, that's fine with me. Um, to me, the first in a good draft and Holtz, who is still considered a top prospect, even though he's been healthy scratched a bunch this year, I think is the biggest starting point there where, you know, why San Jose would probably even be fine eating some salary. Uh, and then Nolan Foote, I threw in there just as a bit of a sweetener where, um, He's a, he's a prospect still, but you know, like he's probably, he's not going to be like a super impact NHL player. Yeah. He's your, your depth prospect that always seems to sneak his way into trades. I like this because like, obviously um, the Sharks are going to want Hughes or whatever, but Holtz is a far better prospect than any of like the Leafs or the other teams in on Meyer could possibly give up. They just don't exist on their rosters. Yeah. Holtz to me kind of Holtz, Reminds me of what like Leaf fans have been hyping Matthew Nice up to be. Yeah. In in terms of like good the, the level of prospect, anyways, if that makes sense. Yeah, Holtz has like legitimate upside. He was a point per game player in the AHL at 20 years old. Those uh those don't grow on trees. Yep, exactly. Um I didn't really realize how stacked the devil's prospect pool was too. Like, um, and the reason the other, another reason I chose Nolan Foot was just they have so many defensive prospects, obviously. I think Nemec and um Hughes are off the table. Um, I think that goes I without saying. I think so. Nemec uh, for sure. I would be it would take a lot to get Hughes too. I, I think Hughes would just be just as equal just because his brother's on the team. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like if you're trading Hughes, gotta be like one for one and you have him dialed in for a nice extension already, kind of thing. Exactly. You're not giving up more of with Hughes. Yeah. So you still get the high end prospect in Holtz, and then yeah, I mean, I, and I don't know, maybe. Instead of Holtz, maybe you look at someone like Dawson Mercer, who's having a pretty good year as well, um, and then another pick or something. But I think Holtz gives you the high-end prospect. You still get the first, which, let's be honest, will probably be mid to late round, um, you know, in the 20s somewhere for the Devils. But still first in 2023, which is supposed to be a very good draft. Um, and then, yeah, you get the reclamation project, if you will, Foot, who's having a pretty good year from all I've heard so far this year when I was doing my research for this as well. So... Um, definitely not like a uh, difference maker or anything like that, but just an, an extra body in there. Yeah, I'm into that. I'd rather uh, I'd rather be knees in a second, but I'll accept it. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I'm trying to think if this is the one. So this is the only one that when I actually put it through on cap friendly, the only reason it doesn't work is it would put San Jose over 50 contracts. So to make due for that, San Jose is going to dump some fourth line bum for a seventh round pick to another team. Yeah, that'll work. And then we're fine. Or they can send some contract, an AHL contract back the other way. I really don't care. Yeah. Uh, All right. My final trade um, thing, and this is probably the most unlikely, I would say, but I wanted to just, I I think, you know, if we do, I, I think we could do this every week in terms of, you know, just giving some names back and forth and some fun trade ideas. 
I want to do one that's a little more fun, a little more out of the box. Um, here we have, it's on cap friendly. I had to make it a three team trade. It's actually two trades. It's the Dallas stars. Uh, so they're going to beef up their blue line a little bit by trading for Shane Gostas bear uh, for a second round pick. Uh, and then they're also going to get a fourth round pick back from Arizona. And a seventh, I think it was. Um, now I wish I didn't make this a three-team trade. Uh, my idea here was I don't think Austin Spare would cost a second. No, he should be cheap. It was just odd because he's actually been pretty good for most of his career, and yet the league doesn't seem to care about him. Yes, I would give a second up for Austin Spare. I just don't think he will. Um, but my thinking was, so I was looking at Dallas. They don't have a ton of picks. Now, that's fine. They're you know kind of trying to go for it right now. Um but instead of just giving up their fourth and then only having a second until the fifth round this year, uh, I'm going to give up their second and take a fourth and seventh, and they're going to go the depth pro- uh, pick approach. Uh, I like they, that. Depth, they then depth get, picks have been good for them. Exactly. Uh, they then get Gosta Spare to try and beef up their blue line a little bit. Uh, currently, they are running Heiskanen, Lindell, Suter, uh, Lund- Niels Lundquist, Colin Miller, Joel Hanley, Yanni Hankenpah. Um, just again, some depth for a playoff run that they're definitely going to want to make. And honestly, like he's probably better than two or three of the names I just mentioned there. Um, the big trade though, is, you know what I thought the Dallas Stars and Chase, they need to get uh, a, a little older and a little slower. Yeah. That's a classic problem. A lot of teams have, they are picking up Ryan O'Reilly Ooh. for a first round pick. And also Christian Cairo, who is a reserve player, I think playing in the AHL. I need to make the contract work um, or the cap hit, sorry. But uh, I, a, a first round pick for Ryan O'Reilly is essentially what is going to be uh, happening. I could see them being all in on O'Reilly. O'Reilly, the one, so uh, I mean, the defense is, yeah, it's just kind of fine. The one big thing when I was looking at their line, um, they currently have uh, Radic Faxa still playing 2C for them. And that's why, like, they, uh, think they could be all in our O'Reilly. Exactly. Now it's a bit of a cheat because Wyatt Johnson's their two, uh, their three C. So maybe you want to consider him his their two C. But then you're getting O'Reilly as your three C, which feels like a very good uh, depth piece as well. Best three C in the league, kind of thing. Yeah, um, I capped it at a first round pick, uh, and it's a 2024 first because they do not have their first this year. Uh, they traded yeah. that away for Neil Zunquist. Um, So I, I just did a 2024 first because. Riley is hurt right now, which is definitely something to consider. Um, and his, uh, I mean, he hasn't been good this year. Like, I, I think there is legitimate risk to this pick, um, pickup. But in terms of, he's 33. This is his first truly bad year. You know, I, I think a team like Dallas, that's all in anyways, could go all in for a guy like this and, and try and pick him up in a, a center pool that is very weak at the deadline. That's for sure. Especially given the success you just had with Pavelski. Yeah. So I think the O'Reilly one is maybe, I, I don't think they're going to trade for Gossip or anything. And if they do, I don't think it'd be a second round pick. I think it'd be, maybe you go a fourth for Gossip Bear and then you go the O'Reilly way, uh, first for O'Reilly or something like that. But I am beefing up the Dallas Stars to go on the deadline here. That would, it would, it's a good time for them too, specifically with the abs and not, I mean, they're hurt. Like we all know why they're bad, but still it might be as bad as the division looks for a while. Yeah, and I think this is probably the best chance the Stars are going to have, too. You know, like, Pavelski's only getting older. Ben in second, uh, Ben especially is at least, like, throwing it back a little bit where 
theoretically, you know, he's only going to get older. Second's only going to get older. And yeah, the, the abs look like they're at their weakest right now. So even if you want to talk yourself into like, we have Wyatt Johnson and Ty Delandra on um, entry level deals. Like we're looking good. It's like, yeah, but you're not going to have a better chance. Like Rupe Hints is playing absolutely unreal this year. Like this, like this just feels like the year you should be trying to go all in. Yeah. It's probably going to get worse sooner rather than later. Maybe next year is a better shot for them, but like, that's kind of splitting hairs. Yeah. And, and even then, like, I don't know if next year is a better year for them. It probably won't be, but like you could talk yourself into it at first. And like anytime you're winning your division and you're in the worst conference in the league by a significant margin, it's never a bad time to buy. Yeah, exactly. So um, I'd be shocked that they don't do any buying. Like they, I definitely expect them to do something, whether it's as big of a move as moving a guy for a guy like O'Reilly or if it's more like a depth thing. Um, I definitely, I could see them bringing in some depth defensemen uh, or a, a defenseman anyways to help that blue line out a bit. Yeah. But um, yeah, so those are my three trades. Might do it again um, next week as well as the deadline approaches. Uh, I say there's uh, the deadline content is always exciting. Um, you know, let us know what you think of the trades too much, too little, uh, where you'd like to see some of these guys go or, you know, what to, you would change about the package either one way or the other for either team involved really. Um Again, for St. Louis, I think they, they would easily take a first-round pick and try and rebuild with uh, uh, O'Reilly's current status as a UFA and hurt. But um, I, I didn't even too much thinking on the St. Louis side of things there. Yeah, I um, think for, for St. Louis, it's pretty easy formula. Excuse me. Um, all right, I don't have too much more to talk about. Uh, it's been the thank God the Horvat trade happened because it was a pretty quiet week in terms of. NHL news, I would say. Yeah, I'm good there. Well, things are going to heat up too, so relax a little as a calm before the storm kind of thing. Yeah, I think we are good to wrap it up then. Um, thank you everyone so much for listening. You can find me at lastwordonhockey.com uh, and, and at NHL Sends and stuff. Uh, I'll be doing a Sends podcast tomorrow, so I'll probably be out Thursday um, recapping the last couple of weeks and just as they head into their all-star break. So you can definitely check that out. Uh, and again, find me on NHL send stuff on Twitter. You can find chase on Twitter at CM hockey 66 and all his work, uh, at the action network.com as well, uh, as his sub stack. So make sure you check that out. Uh, thank you everyone so much for listening. We'll talk to you all next week.